from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge podcast, powered by CoachesEdge.coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. Welcome back. I'm excited to share with you five of my biggest time killers for basketball practice. This time of year, we talk about practice planning a lot with the coaches that we work with. You know, we talk about it throughout the course of the year uh, with camps that we run with other basketball coaches when we're just talking, talking hoop. And so many times I hear, boy, I wish we had some time to get that in, right? You're probably in the same boat, right? Whether it's, boy, I wish we had time to get some more shots up or I wish we had time to, you know, work on some more strategy um, you know, end of game situations, whatever that might be. And my thing is, you may have the time. It might be right underneath your nose, but you may be using one, two, three, four, hopefully not five of these time killers in your practices. Okay. So this is not an all inclusive list. It's simply five that have come to my head over the last few days, taking some notes, talking to some other coaches as well. One, is the pre-practice shoot around. This is a killer for me. You go to practice, you see a bunch of kids just shooting around, not doing anything that is really conducive, in my opinion, to becoming a better basketball player or a better team. And I think that can be utilized. It can be utilized in many different ways. I've gone at length to talk about my pre-practice routine, which I realized was really hardcore uh, for most as far as my ball handling, jump rope, form shooting, and just being dedicated to that. Um, But if you're going to find somebody that plays college and pro basketball, they probably have some form of routine that's pretty intensive, right? But that was me. For our high school players, even for our junior high players, when I was coaching eighth grade boys basketball, we had a pre-practice form shooting routine. The kids would come in while they're shooting around. They could still talk to their friends. I say, we're going to get our form shooting series in after you complete your form shooting series and you can partner shoot. And then when I blow the whistle, bring it in, we're going to break down practice for the day. That way we're not wasting time doing nothing. Kids can still talk, catch up on their day. Gives me a chance to go around, touch base with the kids, say, hello, how's your day at school? Uh, You know, assignments, any kids that are working on eligibility gives me a chance to chat with them. But at the same time, we're getting better and it's really before practice has started. We're given something to do in that beginning time. So your pre-practice shoot around could be utilized. That could be a killer for you. you know, we had an, uh, another coach that we work with. They do their form shooting series. And then when the kids finish their form shooting series, then they get into uh, a one-on-one game. And so he uses a handful of different one-on-one games that we've uh, worked on at our camps show those kids those different one-on-one variations. And after they finish their form shooting series, they can choose with some of their friends and teammates, which one-on-one game. So now they're really getting after it. They're competing. They're playing one-on-one offense, defense. This is before practice has officially started. I love, I love that idea. That's coach Nichols. Who's been on a bunch of our podcasts. Number two, practice time killer. Static stretching, static stretching. I still see it. I'm not even going to take a deep dive onto this. Listen to our Lee Taft episode, the speed specialist, the speed guy. And he talks about how you can integrate basketball dynamic movements into your warm up 
as your players are getting ready instead of kids sitting on the floor, standing around, doing stretches? I mean, let's just think back to when you were a player. I'm thinking back to when I was a player. And anytime we had to go to half court and do some stationary stretches before practice, especially being in the Midwest, I'm from Michigan, December, January, February, gym is freezing cold, right? It's ice cold in the gym and we're supposed to get loosened up and stretched out because we're standing in one spot doing some stretches, not going to work. When do you get loosened up? You get loosened up when you're moving around, right? And so incorporating those pieces into uh, the early practice, the warm-up, a dynamic warm-up instead of static stretching, that can help you alleviate another one of those five big practice killers. Number three, maybe my least favorite drill in the world is the three-man weave. I hate the three-man weave. Now, let me clarify this a little bit more. I've done the three-man weave as a coach, right? And I've played for Hall of Fame coaches in, in high school and college who use the three-man weave, and there's a ton of great coaches that use the three-man weave. When I went and played in Europe, I noticed that the warm-up drills that we did, they were just more creative. I don't know in my four years of playing overseas if we ever did a three-man weave drill. Now, what I'm saying is we would still go three-on-oh, but it would be more game-based, more of a rebound, outlet, dribble handoff, drive kick, shoot a three. You know, everybody would go down, perform that series. All right, next one, coach say, okay, rebound, outlet, pass it up ahead, screen opposite, guy comes off, catch and shoot. You know, rebound, outlet, drag screen, hit the roller, score a layup. Next one, rebound, outlet, drag screen, hit the roller, then skip opposite for a three. That was our warm-up, but it was all things that we would do in a game. Right. And that's one of my things that I hate about the the three man weave is, you know, rarely do I pass it to the right and then say, you know, I'm not going to get ahead of the ball. I'm actually going to run behind where I just passed it, get behind there. It just, there's no thinking involved and there's just better ways that we can get our practice in. Now, coach Arnold, who works with uh, FIBA three on three USA basketball consults with some other countries he came and spoke at our camp and showed us a half court three on three. It was really like two weaves. It's like pass weave once, pass weave twice. And then you come back from half court and you get into a bunch of these game reads that they would do with their three on three national team players. I love that. I love that. So as much as I'm saying the traditional three on three, three or three man weave going up and down is my least favorite thing. I will say I've seen some very, very good things with the three men. We making some different tweaks and changes to it that I thought were really, really effective. So maybe that's you. Maybe you run a three man weave. So, you know, if we make a, a couple tweaks, right, that, could, that could be a pretty darn good drill for us. Number four of our time killers in practice, non-instructive coaching. That's the the rah-rah, uh, the good job, let's go, got to work hard. How about we ask more questions? I think any good coach asks a lot of questions to uh, their coaching counterparts, to the players that they're working with. 
So we ask more questions. There's times where we can talk less. And then when I talk about communication, I'm always talking about being clear, concise, and consistent. And in order for us to do that, we need to be specific with the words that are coming out of our mouth. Are they constructive in a way that instead of saying work hard, are we pointing out the specific aspect that we saw that we liked? For example, if I say, hey, we got to run hard, well, what does that mean? But if we're emphasizing winning the first three steps or winning that race to half court, getting back in transition, that's something that's much more measurable. We can see if the player is doing that or not. Right. And so now they know what they're supposed to do. If, you know, in the training industry, what's what's one of the common things you hear from trainers? Oh, that's tough. That's tough. I mean, that's one of my least favorite comments from the basketball trainer side. Now, if, if you're going to say something and that's meant as a compliment, what specifically did you like about that shot, that move, that piece of footwork? And then tell Billy a great jab, right? The angle of that jab step, 45 degrees. That's what we want right there. Well done. Way to change direction on your cross step instead of saying good move, right? We're being more specific from the coaching that we use. And then we're re-teaching, re-emphasizing how we want players to cut, move, perform any specific skill because the instruction that we're giving them is specific. And so if we can get away from some of the good job, work hard, let's go push it, and get more clear, concise, and be consistent with what we value, good things are going to happen. Hey coaches, let me take a quick break to thank you for listening to the Coaches Edge podcast. Our listenership continues to grow, and a big reason for that is the positive ratings and review. So if you haven't already, if you could take less than a minute of your time, leave a positive rating and review wherever you're listening to your podcast, whether that's Apple or Spotify, I would certainly, greatly, hugely appreciate it. Again, the podcast is free to listen. So leaving a positive rating and review goes a really long way as far as your support. Thank you for being such a big part of the Coach's Edge, our growth. I can't thank you enough, and we couldn't do it without you. Let's get back to the show. Number five, as far as some of our killers in practice. Drills that don't correlate to the system that we play in. Drills that don't correlate to the system that we play in. You may have a great drill that you like. And say the kids really like it too. But if it doesn't complement your style of play, ask yourself, is it worth it? Because you may be wishing you had more time to do some shooting drills. Wish you had more time to work on late game situations. But the fact that you have a drill in place consistently throughout your practices that does not correlate to anything that you actually do in the game, well, that's your chunk of time right there that you can use. They can be much more beneficial to the overall success and growth of your team in the long run. Now, you always use this example because it's a very simple example. If you are a very slow-paced team, you walk it up, you don't want to get into a run-and-gun type game, 
yet the drill that you and your kids like to use the most in practice is a fast break drill focused on really speed, speed, getting it up, minimal passes, quick decisions, trying to get a shot in, you know, the first, you know, five, six seconds of this ball is coming across half court. But that's not how you want to play. So why are you doing that for 10 minutes in practice? So those are the things that I'm talking about. Something has to change. If you can do that drill, do you want to play that way? Or if you need to cut that drill out because that's not how we actually want to play and it's going to lead to team success. Now, I'm much more prone to playing faster than I am slower personally, but that's just my style. And, you know, if I think if we all had choices based on, you know, teams that could do anything, we'd probably play a little bit faster if we could. So think about that. Do the drills that you use in practice actually correlate to the system that you guys want to continue to play in during the season? And then one bonus tip. I think this is a killer for practice. You don't play five on five until the end of practice. And this isn't so much a time killer, right? As far as eating up your time, whereas I think some of these other things eat up the time. The three-man weave, that can eat up time. You could do something else. The static stretching, that can eat up time. You can do something else. The extra talking, instead of being instructive, that can be cut. And something better can be put in its place. The pre-practice shoot-around, that can be cut. And you can put something else in its place that is more beneficial. For example, form shooting, some competitive play. But the, the bonus tip of not playing five-on-five five and scrimmaging until the end I mean, the goal is to play five on five during the season in these games to have as much team success as possible. So if we wait until the end of practice to do all of our five on five scrimmaging, what are we teaching our kids? Hey, if, if you know, you do all these other things, then we'll get to it. I mean, what, what's the value? The, the point is that we're going to be playing five on five during the season. And so if we can sprinkle that full court and that half court in different game-like situations throughout the course of practice, the more effective our team's going to be, the more they're going to enjoy being at practice. And so if you're listening and you really only play five on five for the last 20 minutes of practice, I'd ask you to think about that. Sure, there's going to be buildups. There's going to be progressions. But if we can get competitive throughout the course of our practice. I think the kids are going to enjoy it more. And I think we're going to learn more about our team's strengths and weaknesses because listen, I'm, I'm, I'm saying these things because I've done some of them personally, right? And if I haven't done them personally, I've experienced them as a player. But I've done practices, hey, we don't scrimmage, you know, going up and down full court until the end. And then I see a bunch of things that need to be fixed, but I don't wait until the next day to fix them because we're at the end of practice and we've run out of time. We got to have, have to get out of the gym. And so for us to be able to integrate five on five throughout the course of practice, we're going to be able to learn faster from our kids. They're going to learn faster as well. And then we can tweak. And maybe that means we change our practice plan. Oh my goodness. We had to change our practice plan. Well, you got to change your practice plan. That's all right, right? It's it, everything is moldable, right? And so, to be able to do that earlier in our practice is going to allow, I think, more improvement 
and more learning all the way around. So I hope you enjoyed that five time killers for practice. Thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. A couple of other things that I would mention, coachesedge.coach is live. So if you want to jump in our membership, we had an awesome meeting yesterday regarding half-court defense, transition defense, uh, our base defense, secondary defense. And we went for about an hour and a half with our Coach's Edge members yesterday as I'm recording this. And it was just like a coach's clinic. I'm taking notes, talking about different ways that – team stop a two-on-one fast break we're talking about um, different types of philosophies as far as pressuring a player who's not as good on the ball compared to pressuring um, somebody who's better and, and leaving players that aren't as good open and that those different types of philosophies we talked about the importance of stopping ball and protecting the paint and what are different coaches beliefs as far as what to do first and foremost just so many different things that we broke down. And I'm like, man, I got so much better in this past hour and a half with our meeting. So if you're interested in being part of that type of community that meets on a consistent basis to break down the game, if you're interested in learning more about practice planning, which we're digging into the remainder of this month of October, especially. And if you're interested in our offensive courses, one, three, one, two, three, four out one in motion, as well as all the other resources we have with culture and leadership skill development. We have hundreds of video breakdowns. We have a tremendous amount of PDFs, not just for you, but your assistant coaches, your youth basketball coaches. I mean, this is a, this is coach's edge is for the leader of a program. We have, we have junior high coaches that have the membership as well and they, they love it. But to get the full aspect of this, this is a varsity coach that can be able to take this, apply it to their team and to be able to utilize these resources to help the entire program build that's what we want to do with Coach's Edge. We want to help varsity coaches build their basketball program. And the last thing, if you're in the state of Michigan, on November 13th, we have our first ever Coach's Edge clinic. It's a mini clinic. It's 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. We have some of the best coaches in the state of Michigan as speakers. And you can go to KramerBasketball.com slash events to register for that as well. If you need anything, let me know. If you have any questions, or anything that you'd like us to touch on on the Coach's Edge podcast, please be sure to reach out. Thanks for listening and get after today.